the Public News Service Daily Newscast, February the 20th, 2023. I'm Mike Clifford. First, we head to Georgia, where reproductive rights groups are supporting legislation to restore abortion access in the state. We get more from our Daniel Smith. The Reproductive Freedom Act was filed to appeal House Bill 481, the state's six-week abortion ban, as well as certain other abortion restrictions opponents say are medically unjustified. Rula Ibi-Samra with the Amplified Georgia Collaborative says current state law bans abortion after embryonic cardiac activity is detected. She calls the law misleading, saying there is no heartbeat at the six-week stage of pregnancy when the is in force. She says the new legislation would guarantee abortion access. The Reproductive Freedom Act is our vision for what abortion access would look like in Georgia if it were truly accessible and truly equitable to get affordable care in your own community that was of high quality, respected your dignity and your autonomy to decide for yourself. She notes Georgians who are at least six weeks pregnant currently have the option to go to other states for an abortion, including Florida, North Carolina, and for the time being, South Carolina. Five other nearby states have already banned the procedure. Amplified Georgia Collaborative is circulating a petition on its website in support of the act, which has been filed as House Bill 75 and Senate Bill 15. And now from Eric Kaganoff, grants for infrastructure projects is one way the Biden administration is getting Democrats' message out to many rural Americans. The U.S. Department of Transportation recently touted a dozen projects to improve infrastructure in rural areas. That includes $25 million for improvements in Kalispell, near Glacier National Park. Bill Lombardi has worked for Democratic Senators Max Baucus and John Tester, both of Montana. He says these renovations are important for public safety. Well, we had a 40-degree below-zero cold snap. It was hugely important to make sure those roadways were open, not only for Montanans to shop, but also for utility workers. Lombardi adds it's important for the Biden administration to let people know what's going on in their communities, and also that these projects bring good-paying jobs. A release from the Department of Transportation notes 13% of rural roads are in poor condition due to decades of divestment, and fatalities are two times higher on rural roads than on urban ones. And now from the New York Times, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, said that the U.S. believes that China was considering giving Russia weapons and other lethal aid. He warned China doing so would cause a serious problem for its already strained relations with the U.S. This is Public News Service. A chemical plume that has so far killed more than 3,500 fish in streams around East Palestine, Ohio, has seeped into the Ohio River, leaving Louisville residents concerned about the safety of their drinking water and triggering shortages of bottled water. According to the Louisville Water Company, the city draws drinking water from both the Ohio River and groundwater. In nearby Cincinnati, water officials say that while no detectable levels of the chemicals have been found, they'll shut off Ohio River intake and rely on water reserves for a few days as the plume travels downstream. In Louisville, officials maintain no preventative action is needed. Louisville Mayor Craig Greenberg recently appeared alongside Louisville Water's CEO in a social media video to squash fears. 
years and said the city tests its water quality more than 200 times a day. We're aware of online rumors that are circulating and we wanted to set the record straight to let you know that your water is safe to drink. Nadia Ramlagan reporting. An extra security is in place at a Minnesota school after one student was fatally stabbed by another. This month's deadly incident occurred at St. Paul's Harding Senior High School. And while high-profile mass shootings at schools have gripped the nation in recent years, some campuses have had to overcome more isolated forms of violence. Terrilyn Rivers-Cannon of the School Social Work Association of America says support staff will take charge to help students cope. She says that includes monitoring the ripple effects at other locations. We may notice that, hey, this student has a sibling at another school. Or even further, we may look at their enrollment pattern and notice that, hey, this child or these siblings attended another school also. When connecting those dots, she says they realize there could still be deep connections with students at the other schools, prompting the need to see how they're responding. I'm Mike Moen. Finally, our Alex Gonzalez lets us know a Nevada lawmaker wants to require stricter identification to vote in the Silver State. Republican Greg Hafen has introduced AB 88, which would narrow the acceptable forms of ID that in-person voters would need to show to cast a ballot. They include a driver's license or identification card issued by the Department of Motor Vehicles, or for tribal voters, one issued through their federally recognized tribe. Hafen has said this is about fighting election fraud and restoring election integrity. Emily Persaud Zamora with the group Silver State Voices says she's confident that current state laws already ensure elections are run safely, smoothly, and are accessible to everyone. The bill is being introduced in an attempt to create a narrative on a problem that does not exist. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service here on interesting radio stations, your favorite podcast platform. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.